Hello and welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Ryan, and joining me this week is my co-host, Dustin. How's it going, Dustin? Great, Ryan. Thanks very much for having me. Brand new guest co-host. Never been on the show. Fresh. He's here to, to talk about video games, and uh, he's excited. Are you excited? I should ask you. Are you excited to be here? Super excited. Super excited. Definitely ready to share this Outriders uh, experience. Exactly. We are going to talk about Outriders. It came out, not surprising, because it's been everywhere, especially since the servers keep failing. Uh, they're good now, though. They're good now. A little more stable. Yeah, they they had some, uh, let's just say they had some weekend fun. And by fun, I mean a lot of angry tweets at, at the official <laughs> account. Angry tweets and quick actions. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, let's let's jump into it. I think when... You know, talking about the servers, uh, it was like Friday and Saturday where they went down for hours and there was communication throughout from the official accounts that I saw and it was very clear as to what they were doing and and, and what they were, were working on to get it back up. And I think after those two big outages, it was it was pretty good. Like I didn't experience many issues. I, I just played a little bit before the show and, and no problem. So um, what was your experience with the the sort of the server infrastructure? You, you ran into those issues as well? Yeah. So, so day one I was on, uh, I was on bright and early and, uh, and had a nice long session there and I didn't have any issues. Uh, and then after, after about the five hour mark or so uh, I tried doing some co-op and we had some hit and miss issues there. Uh, and like you said, after about 24 hours, um, rinse and repeat, and everything seemed a lot more stable, easy to join, easy to play, no disconnects. Definitely, definitely worked on it. They, uh, they, they got it, they got it together. And I think it, the thing is about Outriders, so Outriders is this uh, new sci-fi shooter from People Can Fly, uh, the studio behind Bulletstorm and uh, that Gears of War game that was not made by Epic and or The Coalition. <laughs> Um, I think it was Judgment, and they have yep. this this reputation to make these games that are very, very gun happy, but also like unique in some way. And the draw of Outriders is that you've got these powers. You are an altered being from the planet uh, after landing on the planet of Enoch and, and going through some weird, you know, electromagnetic science. <laughs> So uh, they they try to explain it, but they kind of it's, it's hand wavy. Yeah, it's like a big electrical storm, and, and after that, it gets a little iffy. Yeah, for sure. And uh, there's a demo available, so you can go check out the demo on all the platforms it's on. But if you have Xbox Game Pass, and I say Xbox very clearly because this is not on Xbox Game Pass for PC, you can play this as part of the subscription. And I believe that's how you and I have been playing, because we're both on Xbox. That is correct. Xbox Game Pass is great. And again, it's one of these things that if you don't have it, uh, consider it. Because if you, even if you get a yearly subscription, you know, you're looking at, uh, if you play two games out of that on a year, you it's paid for itself. And then you have uh, you know, hundreds of other games to dive into after the one you're after. Yeah. And especially how video games cost upwards of $100 now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's much easier to swallow that that Game Pass deal. And honestly, if you're looking for deals, you can get pretty good deals on Game Pass. I think uh, there's the Xbox Live Gold workaround where you can get like three years of Ultimate Game Pass for the cost of, 
gosh, a few months. I think I went through the process here on the show, so I won't yeah. bore people with details. I'm still I'm still riding that wave for another uh, another ten months or so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, you probably be able to renew at the same deal. I think Microsoft is just they're service happy and they're trying to keep everyone in their ecosystem. And I think this month alone kind of shows how they are winning over the consumer. I think, you know, jump a little bit over to another, you know, story we don't have in our notes, but um, MLB The Show is a Sony production game. However, it's coming to the Xbox platform for the first time this year, and it's going to be a day and date Game Pass game. So a game made by Sony Productions coming to the Xbox on Game Pass Day 1, $80 experience on the PS4. So I I think that just goes... I mean, I know, I know you know, if, if folks wanted to be cynical, they could say, well, it's just Microsoft throwing money around, which it oh. definitely is, but still. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I mean, if, you know, MLB has been uh, not on an Xbox system for a number of years, so, you know, with this shared production here, at least... Uh, um, MLB, people who love MLB can actually play on Xbox for the first time without actually doing a dual system if they don't have access to a PS4 or PS5. And I think it is even coming to PC too. So it's one of those things where Game Pass really has been uh, a, a, a really good investment, especially for doing this show, because it sometimes gives me something new to play every week and I don't have to drop a bunch of money. I just have to keep the subscription running. Um, right. But back to Outriders, uh, it is a three-player co-op game. Um, I've been primarily playing solo, although last night you and I did get a chance to check out the co-op, and uh, it went quite smoothly um, <laughs> until we fought that boss in which it continued to kill us. But uh, we managed eventually, right? We, we, may have, we may have taken a step back in that world tier, but uh, yeah, we, we made it through. <laughs> Yeah. Well, this is the thing. So there are, so the, the story is very linear. Um, there are these destiny feels as to how the game is structured and, and the sci-fi nature and the, and the shooters and the powers and stuff like that. However, it's a very linear experience. There are these, uh, basically these, these areas that again have branching paths, but really they branch to like side quests um, basically loading doors. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about the structure of the game more in a little bit, but you know, I want to kind of focus in on, on what, what we had a lot of fun with playing last night. But y you have your character level, which allows you to get skills that uh, you know offer you different powers. You can have three active at once, which uh, is going to drive MMO folks crazy. However, it keeps things simple and encourages you to switch them up. You're, you're really switching them up depending on how the encounter goes. So if you're constantly hitting your head against the wall, you can try switching out your powers or as we did last night, turn down your world tier, which is I think the equivalent of tiers in hell levels in Diablo. I'll take your word for it on that one. <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember like a, like a real world equivalent, not real world equivalent, but another popular game equivalent. I know, you know, like, Oh, torment levels in Diablo. Like you could, you could set like torment level five and that dropped better gear, but made bosses and monsters harder to kill. And I think that's the case here where not only are you earning XP for your character, you're earning XP towards your world tier. And as you level up your world tier, 
you're fighting stronger monsters, you're fi- you're getting better loot, and rinse repeat numbers go up. And <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So <laughs> we had to turn it down because uh, that giant boss was 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 taking care of us. <laughs> And it just seems like the, you know, like, like we, we were, we were holding our own against the, uh, the regular story progression. And then they just throw that boss at us and it just cranked that dial up. Exactly. It, and they don't discourage you from turning down the world tier. I think in the case of this boss, it was this. So sometimes there'll be these, these large bosses that are kind of, um, and large is, is a, is a very apt description because they are. A lot of the enemies are either smaller or humanoid size, and then you get to these bosses. In this case, this one was this giant thing, you know, hanging onto the side of the arena, and you had to shoot it as it was throwing things and and screaming at you <laughs> to, to hurt you. And we did fine against that portion, but then there was a second phase, and a bunch of moths appeared and flying units in this game. I mean... You have you can shoot things, but the flying units are so annoying, which is so frustrating. I know, well, <sighs> and I think you just from start to where we are now, I think you've only encountered uh, I don't know. I'm going to say a dozen flying enemies, so everything's geared towards ground, which means you bring your skills towards uh, to what you're fighting on a regular basis, and then they just take that 180 turn, and uh, and now you got to re- revamp your whole system to fight this small chunk of uh, of progression. Yeah, it's it's so true. Like those, uh, you get a you get your first flying units, I think in like the second area, and when you fight them, a lot of your powers, as you said, are tuned to the ground. Like I think I was playing as the Technomancer, I think is the the class name, and um, yeah, yeah. it's a temporal blade which like shoots out this blade across in front of you. It's got an area of effect, and and it'll like incapacitate enemies for a little bit, but kill them if they're low enough level. And another one was like to zip across the map and teleport behind someone to do extra damage. But the, those don't work on flying units. <laughs> you know, they're above your blade and uh, you can't warp behind them because they're not on the ground. So right. that's where switching out your skills comes in handy. So when you die and you get kicked back to the checkpoint, or in this case uh, with this boss, you get kicked back to the bottom of the wall that you have to climb up again. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll get to those, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, we'll get to that. Um, and then you you switch your skills out, you go back in, and and you see how you fare on that trial. But yeah, it's uh, it was a lot of fun playing co op, and it worked quite well once I got in there. Although I think the game I got lagged out, and then that crashed the game. So the game is not without its you know faults. Like there are bugs in here. This is feels like it kind of came together like the servers are the servers are more stable now but mm-hmm. i still i have not had a game hard crash so many times in like the and first that, week and like you said the hard crash is resetting everything right back to the title screen and uh and again i don't i don't know i mean what what are we day we're like four or five days into launch now so i don't know if good graces are going to start wearing out soon or if people are just okay with how it plays for the most part it's hard to say. I I think that I think that the game so this game is is a tough one for me to describe because I am having fun with it. Um playing solo I'm having fun. Where it gets frustrating is when I usually make a mistake where I maybe get a little too overzealous um in, in fighting enemies 
uh, or or I just get caught off guard. Like it's very rarely my fault unless I'm fighting flying enemies. That I believe to be the worst. But um, <laughs> I I don't know. Like I would describe the game as kind of, and this is going to sound harsh, but I would kind of describe it as like uniquely generic in that it's unique because the powers are all really cool and they try to develop a system where each class has a healing mechanic and uh the technomancer is basically kill kill the enemies as fast as you can because each time you do you'll get a chunk of health refilled and then you'll fill up your shield a little bit so you're constantly encouraged to be zipping around taking out enemies and just staying out of uh you know gunfire as long as you can to build up your shield and as an altered character you are considered nearly invincible by the enemy right and you feel that when when you're when you're doing things correctly so that's the unique part but it's kind of generic in that like majority of the enemies especially the humanoid ones are kind of all the same kind of like especially at the beginning and you're a little farther than I am, and you can correct me on this. But at the beginning, it feels like they took Borderlands and they and they turned all those generic characters or generic enemies into like more realistic generic enemies. And I don't know, it's it's it uh, doesn't stick. No, I would say you're you're spot on there. And again, it's I guess it's hard when you have a game that you know of the scale of of how many you characters or, or combatants you introduce. But yeah, it's a uh, I think again, I'm you know, it's ten hours in or so and we're fighting majority of the same three to four character types um ongoing. Uh and again, I just hit a, a forest level and they, they introduced a new type of um I guess beast. Uh but he's not too far off from something that you've already faced coming up to this point. They just kinda changed the shade. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I found that uh, we, we, we fought some monsters uh, last night, and those monsters were pretty unique. Like, they do have these unique bosses and sub-bosses that pop up that are really cool-looking and really fun to fight. Uh, it's just, it feels like the areas leading up to those moments are very much, you're in a combat arena, there's a bunch of cover, kill all the guys, and they're super generic, you know? But you're going to use your uniquely awesome altered powers to take all these super generic folks out and move on to the next area. And it's going to feel really cool. And doing it in co-op makes you feel even you know doubly cool because you're running around and you've got one person zipping around with like laser sword powers and you were zipping around with uh, fire powers. You were playing as the pyromancer, was it? Yeah, I got the pyromancer. So yeah, everything fire related gives me health. And like you were saying, it is a... A frustrating system at times when you can't cause damage to get the the regen back. But like you said, playing with co-op, uh, just watching your teammates do really cool stuff, it just adds to even the excitement of just watching them go off on their own for five minutes while you kind of hang back. <laughs> yeah, and I, and that's I really felt that because I had played solo for a majority of my time, and then playing co-op. This is the first time I'm seeing the pyromancer, and this isn't like Destiny where you're running around. There are no social areas where you're running around seeing other players. You are playing with whatever whoever you match make with. And, you know, I learned my lesson from Avengers. I'm not going to, you know, queue up with strangers because they're not going to do the story. They're just going to run to the objective. And yep. that's not necessarily a bad thing because, uh, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, like 
the objective is just to run through an area and kill things. So, you know, and there's a pretty good queuing system from what I experienced uh, playing co-op with you last night. Like there's, it's a very clear, you know, wait and, you know, catch up type moment where, you know, Dustin is trying to get to the next area, go stand in the circle and let's move forward. Again, I didn't, I haven't done the random uh, co-op experience yet. I think, uh, you know, those that I'm co-op with, they're all kind of doing the story and taking a look around at the world here. So yeah, I think it's great to, as the first playthrough to, to see what, what was built around you. And then, yeah, I feel like once people are, are heading towards the end game or, or doing the rinse and repeat, there's going to be a lot more overpowered sprinting going on. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, it, it, uh, so, I mean, the areas where you're leading up to these objectives are, are, like I said, these combat arenas, you take out the guys, you move on to the next segment and, there are like three or four of those leading up to your objective, which normally ends with sort of a boss encounter or, you know, an investigative cutscene of some kind. But there are these weird moments where we alluded to it with the boss fight, where these cutscenes that are clearly like they feel like they're hiding a loading screen, but they're not because then you get the loading screen. Uh, <laughs> right. And yeah, they're just like transitional animations and they're not like I would put them on par with maybe like the Mass Effect elevator. <laughs> just super awkward, weirdly it's popping up, right? Yeah, and it just seems like they're again, when it cuts the first time it happens, the first couple of times you go, "Oh, cutscene," and you kind of sit back and you're like, "Okay, where are we going with this?" And then it just ends 5 seconds later and then here comes the load screen. Um, yeah, so it just seems that they they didn't do have that scene long enough or perhaps they should have just cut it out altogether, just put a a tooltip or a, a hint or an enemy type or something that you can learn more about the game with. Yeah. But I, I did enjoy, so there are cutscenes, and I posted one on Twitter. There are cutscenes which are genuinely funny and do play around with the idea of everything you just did didn't matter or what we're going into the next scene with is like, this is a transitional cutscene, but we're going to have some fun with it. And it was a rescue mission. It's very early on. And like the head lady is like, oh, I need you to rescue this guy. Tell me when you've rescued him. And you go to rescue him and he's been caught under this rubble and he's with the insurgents who are the bad guys. And I guess they were helping each other to survive and they get out. And uh, the person you're trying to rescue is like, uh, it gets out and the insurgents like, okay, now we can get the rest of our folks. And, and the, the guy you're trying to rescue shoots the insurgent in the back. And then you're just like, what? And then throws a grenade in the hole and covers it up and basically dooms whoever was left in the hole. And your character is like, what are you doing? And he's like, hey, man, it's war. What do you want me to hug? And then he gets shot. And, you, and you're like, well, that side quest was nothing. And then your character basically echoes your sentiments by saying, like, why do I even bother? And walks away and you've completed <laughs> the quest. And it's like, that's hilarious. It's a fetch quest, but you made it work because the cutscene was funny. And then... Right. You have these moments where you have your character, and I got the one you were describing last night where you're doing a, a, an elimination quest where you're trying to hunt down these wanted characters, and you have to like hold the button to eliminate them, and the cutscene is just so pointless. <laughs> yeah, you just see exactly what played out, but you're, you know, I don't know, you think that they would have bypassed that situation or made it work, like you said, with your cutscene to, to add something to the game, even if it's just, uh, you know, if it's going to happen four or five times, make it fun. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, and I think it's sometimes, I think we, we did play one where the the character talked a little bit, but I had one just before we started recording where it was just 
hold X to eliminate, and it's just the cutscene's like five seconds, and just shoot the guy in the head, and, and it's done. And there's no context. Yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess I can appreciate the brevity if you are going to be repeating these missions, but as someone who enjoys a campaign game, I really feel let down by, oh, there's an opportunity here to expand on this story because there's this 30-year gap that your character doesn't know. Uh, he or she has been frozen in time, um, and you're reawoken, and you get turned into this altered, so you have powers. And you you don't know what's happened in those 30 years. Like, you get bits and pieces as characters are like, oh, wow, you really don't know? Okay, here's a, here's a nugget of truth. But you could fill in some of those gaps for the player just by having, you know, some evil monologuing. I don't know. Is it? it it's weird. Yeah, and, and again, I, who knows? I mean, this game seems big, but I mean, maybe this is just the beginning, right? Who knows if they're going to add more stuff, hopefully, as we go. <laughs> maybe. I, it's hard to say. I, I think that there is a complete game here, which is nice, because they've said, like, this is this is Outriders. If it does well, we'll do DLC. We'll do we'll do some additional content. But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Like as a Game Pass game, I think it's totally worth checking out because there's not a lot going on right now game wise, and it is fun. Um, I would say the shooting leaves a bit to be desired. It's a little like, it's like Gears of War. It's got that like loose feel to the shooting. It's not going to be your Call of Duty or your Titanfall, but. I think it offers some fun shooting, but the powers are what make it, I think. Yeah, and I think they definitely put the, the focus on the powers, too, as uh, as you get into it. With, like you said, with the we were talking about the gun types um, in our previous play, and uh, it seems like you know the sniper rifle's one thing, the shotgun's another, but majority of us seem to stick with some kind of automatic just to get our, our powers to uh, on the cooldown so we can start using them again. Because the powers are really what do the the big damage. Yeah, for sure. Like your gun isn't the make or break, unless uh, I guess as you get further, your guns can have more status effects and uh, additional powers that kind of more complement your abilities. But you know, you're not going to get those right off the bat. I I think I have started to get them now, though. I think I I got my first legendary last night. I think. So I'm like, oh, nice. Yeah, I've got, I think it's an automatic. Um, it's like more of an SMG than an assault rifle, but it's worked out quite well. I, I, I think there's a lot to love about this game, and I mean, we, I, I, I think I've been a little more negative than I than I usually am because there are issues with the game, but it really feels like these issues could be addressed down the road. Like this could easily be. This game kind of came in. You know, under the wire, there were some, you know, cuts they had to make, like in terms of animations and cutscenes. But like some of these cutscene issues aren't even in the side quest. It's like mainline stuff that is popping up, yeah. you know, and it's just a bummer. It's not what you expect from like a AAA experience these days. But there is a lot to love in Outriders. And uh, maybe I need to try out a couple, a couple other classes because... It would be really interesting to see how the others play. I think there are... Are there four in total? Four four in total, yeah. I, I was just going to say, have you had a chance to um, to check out the other ones, or have you just primarily stuck with the Pyromancer? Um, no, so I, I'm just doing the Pyromancer right now. I have played with the Heavy, one of the Heavies. Uh, I The name escapes me right now, but... Uh, and, you know, he's uh, a frontline... Um, 
I guess, get in there and go get him, uh, focus on the melee attacks. And he's got some great um, abilities for a team. So I know one of the, his abilities that he unlocked was uh, almost like the, you know that scene from The Matrix, the original, when he stops all the bullets? Oh, yeah. He's got a, he's got a similar um, power like that, and then he returns all those bullets, whatever is fired at him, back towards the enemy. You know, so that's a great uh, support situation when you need to heal up or retreat or, or do anything just to buy some time. So I've seen that in action, but I have not seen the fourth one. Uh, so we talked a lot about the mechanics. We talked a lot about the structure of the game and some good stuff and not so good stuff about that. But I think where we get back to the uniqueness of the game is the story and the way they set it up. And it's very bold of them to like not give you the powers right at the beginning because that is the best part of the game. But right. I really feel like that's why the demo shines because it gives you that free taste of like, here's the shooting and then sets you up with the powers. And then is like, okay, now to play more, you have to buy the game. And this, this is the best part. <laughs> we, we gotcha. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I, I think you and I were discussing last night while we were playing, like the story is really interesting. We haven't finished it. You're a little bit farther than, than I. And, and honestly, like, you probably have a better grasp on it than I, because I think you're, you learn more as you go. And I, I got the sense that your character is a little farther along than, than mine is uh, in terms of understanding what just what's going on. But like, what did you, what did you dig about like the setup and, and how it's been going so far? Uh, like, yeah, I, I really, I, it's, it's, I'm really enjoying the story as a whole. Um, again, I think like we touched on earlier is that you, you know, you arrive on, on Enoch and everything's fine and then some you know stuff happens and then you go into cryo and then when you come out it's 30 years later and the whole planet's shifted from when you last saw it and uh, and then you get your powers and you're moving forward so uh you know the the general idea of where you're going um you know you're trying to i guess survive on this planet at this point and, and try to figure out what happened and you're looking for a a type of signal uh, in order to reach the only ship left that's hovering in the Enoch uh, orbit and on this ship is what you would need to uh, I guess set up Earth 2 if you want to call it that uh, you know they got all the technology up there all the all the schematics for everything that they had on Earth that they're bringing over and when the last relay system went down then nobody could get that information from that ship everything that was on the planet got destroyed by the electrical storm and chaos ensues so now we got the factions. Um, I guess I think is there two or three factions? I'm not entirely sure if they added the third uh, front in this in this game as we move forward. But uh, you definitely have uh, you know I guess what, what would you call them the Outlanders, which is kind of like those who don't abide by the rules, and then you have those who are trying to set up civilization, and then the Outriders, uh, as we come in as you described them the other day as. Uh, what, frontier men almost <laughs> yeah like they're they're billed as explorers and that's why there there aren't any because the idea is um earth has been doomed they filled two ships with people to uh you know go to this and build as you said earth 2 on the planet enoch all the data coming back suggested this is a i think they call it like a goldilocks planet where it's like it had everything they needed to reboot earth and humanity on a different planet and uh, when they get there, everything seems fine. You know, they're making, they're cracking jokes about like hyena cows <laughs> or something. Yep. And uh, and then these these storms hit. And essentially what it feels like is the planet is trying to kill humanity. Like that that is the feeling that the humans are sort of 
portraying to the player, there's obviously something else going on because after you get injured and you, as you said, you go into the, into the freezer for 30 years. And when you come back, all the outriders are basically dead because they did what they were sent to do explore. And you can't leave the Valley without being torn apart by these, uh, by the anomaly, which is the, which are these storms. And from where I'm at in the game, you have this frequency that you wrote on your hand from when before you were frozen that you discovered at uh, one of the one of the what do they call them the are they drones or yeah the drone drops from the from the orbital ship I guess yeah so or, the, or the the probe exact yeah probe and you're trying to you, you know seek out this signal that's playing that it has been playing for thirty years but no one's been able to reach. And that's sort of the soft setup for the story is that you are journeying from where you started, which is like the first city, and you're working your way along the map in this linear fashion towards your destination. At the beginning of the game, there's a bit of like, uh, you're better than this. There's like this mysterious, like altered guy that shows up. I think his name is Seth, which is like not what I would name, you know, your God character. <laughs> no offense, <Yeah>. Seth, folks. <laughs> well, it worked for him. It did. You know, I'm not like, I'm not trying to put Seth, people named Seth on notice, but like, I don't know. It's just, it was a, okay, I take it back. It is a very interesting choice for a character name and he is badass and he's like one of those, he's not necessarily a bad guy, but he's kind of the guy that's like, I could end all of you at a moment's notice, but there is this like greater threat that we're fighting and you trying to escape this valley and help these humans is pitiful in comparison and he kind of exits yeah he kind of just lets you uh he says his line and he, and he takes off and like you know what i gave you that information and you you're good to go <laughs> yeah essentially like he says he says that and basically you're, you're destined for greater things you know this will all make sense when you get to the level that i'm at and and we'll we'll talk and it just it disappears. It's very it's very much reminded me of of the way Destiny kind of told its story, but hopefully Outriders finishes that thread and doesn't drop it for a decade, um, but or not a decade, I guess five years, half a decade. Uh, it's but the story like it's interesting. Like I think you are trying to build a a, a life on this planet, and I gotta say, like them surviving for thirty years. I don't know how you live on scraps for, for three decades, but they managed to right. do so, right? Yeah, and that's and that's pretty much how they outline uh, bring it up is that you know, everybody is doing their, their minimal part to, to keep it going. It doesn't seem like uh, it seems like they were surviving on everything that was brought from Earth and now that information, all that food, the farmland, the whatever else they're trying to do is running short and this is their last push kind of deal to, to find out how to survive here. So, yeah, and, and that story, I think, that story setup works really well in terms of where you're going and the motivation for where you're going. I think I'm not at the point where I'm getting secondary characters that are really establishing why you're doing this. I think I just, I got the scientist guy, and uh, we're, we're still pushing forward, and, and I, I think I'm on the cusp of, of learning a little bit more about what's going on, but... Uh, just based on you know the characters we were interacting with uh, last night, but uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I I want to see where the story's going, but I think I need a couple more carrots dropped on my path to uh, to see where the story's going. 
I'm getting like a real Mass Effect Andromeda feel in terms of like trying to, you know, kickstart civilization, you know, millions of miles right. away or millions of light years away from Earth. So I don't know. I don't know if that. I, yeah. No, and I hear, it. and I, I, like I said, I mean, we're we're a good chunk of time. Like uh, I think I'm ranked seventeen, you're fifteen or, or so, and that's that's a good chunk of time. And and like you said, the the story beats are a little little sparse in between. And and if they want to drop a, a big one every now and again, you know, that'll keep you going. Yeah, I just I feel like the story is it's not progressing as as fast as I would like, but I think the boss encounters are kind of making up for that a little bit, even if you're getting like the weird five second, I'm going to climb this wall <laughs> cutscene. I just wish, I don't think they need it. It's, it's really awkward too. Like there's no dialogue. It's not funny. It's just literally your character climbing a wall. Um, yeah. Or jumping a hole or squeezing through a fence. It's definitely, it, it, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. It's definitely hiding some, some loading. I, I think I agree with you. It would have been, it would have been nice to, uh, you know what? It would be a good test. We, we're both... So I should have said this. We're both playing on the Xbox One generation. Um, I did play it on the PS5, the demo, but I can't remember if that literally does hide a hide a loading screen because, yeah, that would probably explain a lot. It probably... It must hide a loading screen. Well, you would hope so. I mean, but you're on an X. That's pretty quick, and then you're still getting a load screen after the, the cutscene, right? Every now and again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. I am. <laughs> I don't know. I the game has problems, um, but there's there's some fun there, and I think the co-op is really well implemented. Uh, when it doesn't crash, <laughs> or you run across these killer moths that that are that are harassing you, but I really felt like zipping around in co-op was really cool. And I'll say this about co-op and its implementation: your character, the person you're playing, takes precedent all the time in cutscenes and dialogue. And it's essentially like, you, in my game, your character didn't exist. And I'm guessing the same right. as the case in your game. Like, my character didn't say anything. She was just there. And she was just taking out fools and not saying a peep. And now one person mentioned you. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's something that, that we talked about uh, the other day was that, again, coming from... I, I came from Anthem this year. And that the cutscenes in Anthem, when you play with multiple people... Uh, they're in the cutscene in their cosmetically enhanced characters and you get to see them now they don't say anything but they are there present walking around so you kind of go oh okay the game acknowledges that this is a system a co-op system and everybody's here doing this thing you know and the and the antagonist is talking to everybody even if it is just centered on you being the main character uh where outriders kind of went like you said the different way where you get this big cutscene and a a big dramatic moment and it's just your character not acknowledging how you got here <laughs> yeah now i mean it gives you being a story-based game it gives you the player uh your character interacting in a way like so even if you and i both killed the big boss uh although this cutscene doesn't exist because we killed a big boss and literally the the end cutscene was i think it i he think just... it's fell to the ground i think <laughs> yeah I, you know what i'm trying to think back i don't think the monster even fell to the ground i think it just faded to black and then the monster was on the ground <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> it was it was <laughs> underwhelming and like there's no one this is supposed to be this is a game that has i don't want to i don't want to i don't want this to sound worse than it. it has comedy it's trying to be funny and there's this moment where you take out this giant monster and they'll drop f-bombs 
for no particular reason. But then you take out this giant lizard monster in two phases after falling down a cliff, landing on jagged rocks, and your character says nothing. <laughs> and has every opportunity to, to, to say a, a cheesy one-liner. A one-liner is perfect. That's all you need is just something to, you know, show that you accomplished something. But yeah, he just kind of, like you said, uh, the deed was done and, and back to the ship you go or back to the, the truck you go. Yeah. Like you show, and, and there is dialogue, but I didn't hear the dialogue before we went and fought that monster, but there's another boss monster in this volcano. And you're saying like, oh, I want to take these train cars and the character and the, uh, the person you're talking to is like, well, we can't really do that because there's like volcanic activity. And you're like, well, what's causing it? Oh, there's a giant monster. It's like, oh, I'll go take care of that. And there's this fun back and forth of like, wait, you're going to go into a volcano and, and kill the giant altered monster. It's like, yeah, it's kind of what I do. I'm going to go do that yeah. now. And that works. It's really funny. And, and it fits within the context of the game. But then you go kill it. And it's like, yep, I just did that. So can you get the train cars working? And, and I ah, just a, there's a lot of missed opportunities. Missed, missed opportunities. Exactly. Yeah. But it's fun. The co-op works. And I mean, I do understand their implementation of, you know, cutscene precedent for one person, but it is a little awkward with two people walking around and outside of like killing people more effectively, there's really no, there's really no like dialogue or, or situations where you're voting on things like there could, they could have had some more fun there. It's almost like the game started as like a single player game. And then they decided how much can we ratchet this up with co-op and, I appreciate that because co-op is fun, but you kind of we're at this point with video games where if you're implementing co-op in this nature, there's got to be more than just you can play with two of your friends. I don't right. Know. And and I think, like you said, I mean, if at one point it was a single player uh, focus, but what we talked about just before the show was the fact that, that the replayability, um, I guess, with co-op being the focus is you can go back to, to any one of your missions that you've completed you know, any, any chapter, any act, so to speak, and, and just jump back in with, with no, uh, I guess, difficulty. You can just back up and hit go, and then your friend can join you from there, or you can join your friend from there. I can join you, you can join me, and, and it just goes. Like, it just picks up exactly uh, whoever's game you joined, and, and that's the story you're playing. Yeah. No, that worked really the well. Ease, yeah, the ease of drop in and drop out um, of, of that nature. I think that's fantastic that, that you know, there's no... I can't play with with this person or that person because they're too far ahead when you can have them literally jump back into your game with their, you know, upgraded abilities and new weapons, etc. And maybe that's the something that they want to show off when they get there, right? That's showing you that you're 10 levels ahead. Yeah, no, and um, I, I did play a little bit before our show just to see what would happen because you were, I think, I think I saw maybe three chapters ahead. So then when... So when I tried to jump in your game, it's like, hey, this person's ahead of you. You may experience spoilers. Is this okay? And yeah, I wanted to test it. So, and it was fine. Like, what's spoilers? Although there there were some extra <laughs> characters. I'm like, it's like walking, you know, in when my wife when my wife is watching a show, and I'm like, okay. I, and I've seen like a couple episodes. Like, so I understand who the characters are, but a lot has happened. It's like, okay, who's that guy? And what's he doing? And why are they fighting? So, so I'm doing that yeah. as you know, as as you're playing your game. So who's this person? And is that the other person that got shot in the yeah, neck? Are they important? Yeah. <laughs> little, <laughs> and, little quick catch up. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it worked quite well. And yeah, when I went back into the game today, um, it said basically like you can choose your, you select your story point and you go to that and it shows everything you've accomplished. 
And then, so it's, it had me at your point. And then I, I went back to the last, so there was a bunch of locked chapters in between. And I went to the last one that I had completed and you can bounce back to specific checkpoints. And then there are sub checkpoints like four or five within each one. So it was, uh, it worked quite well. And I, and I bounced back and it, it did say like, Hey, you're going to overwrite your save, your, like your continue save. Um, it doesn't like overwrite your character or what I earned while I was right. playing with you, but it resets that continue. And yeah, I jumped back in and I had to do a little bit of extra stuff cause I, I must not have hit a checkpoint. Um, when I, when I, before I moved over to your game, but it worked. I'm, I was uh, I was really happy with that implementation because a lot of games kind of like when you move out of that timeline. Yeah, it's like they penalize you for it. Yeah, it messes things up. So they they've they've got some really smart implementation here for the co-op and the story. But I think most of that is it goes hand in hand with the simplicity of kind of the linear nature of the story. Like there's a main quest line which has you literally going down you know, a path moving from area to area. And then there are like select side quests in each of those areas. And they're, they're small ish areas, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's a fun game. And I, and I think it's worth checking out for sure. Right. And just one, one last note, the fast travel system. I think it's great. Like, <laughs> you know, the jumping around it, it, at least it's there, it's functional, it works. And you don't have to worry about running all the way back to the starting point of one of your chapters or your, your scenes. So that's, that's working it well. Um, Ryan, I'm not sure if you want to touch on this. Should we do a little PSA about um, auto loot? Oh, yes. No, you have to. You have to because it's changed my life. I feel like this could be one of those like Oprah commercials where you've changed, well, you've changed my life. So yeah, definitely let the fine folks know how they Perfect. can change their lives. All right. So uh, for anybody who's already started Outriders, uh, you know, do it ASAP. And for those who are looking to start, don't forget at the beginning. Um, so you know, I'm 10 hours in and all of a sudden I have a, a co-op drop in and, and we were chatting and he heard through the grapevine that if you go into your options menu, uh, there's an option in there to essentially auto collect all the loot that was dropped in the battle. So, you know, if it's, it's a three room battle, four room battle, whatever, simply by pushing down on the D-pad of the controller. And again, similar for PC, uh, I'm sure a simple button click, but Literally, you know, if there's 30 things scattered throughout the, the map, guns, uh, I guess their currency or iron or, you know, any any other gloves, helmets, etc. You simply push down and you just watch all those items just jump into your inventory. No running required. Yeah, it is a life changer. And you think like there's got to be some catch to this and there isn't. I don't even That's hit the right. X button anymore. I just as soon as I open a chest, I just hit that down pad I changed it all, like, I want to collect everything, right? So you can choose sort of the level, the rarity that auto-loots. I have it set to uncommon. Everything's just flowing into my backpack. It's amazing. That's it. Just, it's it's a, such a great feature. And again, I, I don't know. I think we kind of talked about, you know, the shrug of, is this cheating? But I guess it's not because it just saves you a lot of a lot of real estate. But uh, it definitely is a way to keep the, the game focused on going forward as opposed to, uh, you know, you know, if you were to say, "Hey, come back here," there's a a gun you missed, or a, or some iron that I got off the wall, and you got to trek, you know, five minutes in the other direction. It feels like this. It feels like so in Destiny they have like the postmaster. So anything you don't pick up uh, of a of a I think a like a greener above 
it gets sent to this this character at the the social area which makes sense they want you to go back to the social area as much as possible because that's where they sell shit that's where the quests are and it works but it's an extra implementation time right so in this game it feels like very much and i don't know this for sure so i'm just spitballing here but it feels like they didn't want to do that but they wanted an easy way for you to just auto loot and they give you Mm -hmm. like some finite control over it as to like what you auto loot and yeah it feels it feels kind of hacky. It feels kind of like you're cheating, but it's in the game and it works. And it it lit- legit feels like they just, well, we need the postmaster. It's like, eh, we don't really want people to have to go back to the base. <laughs> we want people to just keep moving. And uh, yeah, and well, until you're ready to move on, but right. it, it works and you have to do it because it, it, it changes everything. Yeah, and it's just one of the, the last little tidbit on this is uh like you said, if you're collecting common to uncommon all the way up, whatever, uh, you can sell all that stuff for scrap and currency. So, I mean, it definitely goes somewhere. So even if you collect it just to turn it in, at least you're progressing for that, uh, you know, the next legendary or purple uh, class weapon that you can that you can look forward to. Well, uh, we are uh, running a little late, but I am curious, as we have guests on the show, we always like to hear what they're playing. And you've got a couple of games here. Uh Dead by Daylight got a new chapter, and you know Jocelyn, if she's listening, she's a big fan of Dead by Daylight. You, I think you play with her, right? Like you are a regular with her group. Indeed, and that—that's kind of the there were the or the perks went up there as soon as we found out DVD was a thing, a common interest. There you go, and uh, so this new chapter, I've seen snippets of it, I've seen screenshots, but it's essentially like a like a killer concert or something. Is that what's happening now? Uh, you know the the new the new. Um, Dead by Daylight Killer is uh, is a K-pop superstar who is uh, who has who's fallen on some hard times. Uh, so you know it, it, his backstory is uh, interesting. We're not going to go into it. If you, if you're interested, definitely uh, you know look it up. But uh, the gameplay it changes the gameplay where this this uh, killer main if you want to if you want to look at him that way uh, he has the ability to throw knives. So you know his name is the Trickster and. Most combat in Dead by Daylight is, you know, the the killer has a weapon and they hit you with that and and you move on. Uh, and then the trickster shows up and he's got a flurry of fifty to seventy five daggers that he can just keep throwing at you. So it just becomes this, uh, I don't know, rabbit chase type situation when you're being uh, chased or when you're chasing because now you're looking at, I don't have to pursue them around the corner if I can cut them off here and and you know, start throwing daggers to force them back into me. Uh, it's definitely a new uh, way to play Dead by Daylight, which is nice. They need a, a little bit of a shakeup, and, and I think this is working out well. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, to getting in as more and more um, people learn how he plays and, and the little tricks behind him. And uh, and yeah, because the last chapter of Dead by Daylight with the twins didn't didn't fan out so, so well. <laughs> well, I, I know I saw a tweet today that went out from the Dead by Daylight account was uh they're changing the skill check on uh being trapped by the the weird tentacle hooks uh, or whatever i i wish i wish there was a way to give like ten thousand likes on that situation because that has been one of the biggest gripes of of the group we play with i think the internet in general uh is that struggle situation where you are just pounding on a space bar or a controller button and it, for no reason, really. I mean, it's quite capable. Like I said, uh, or, or rather, what they said was coming out with the skill check. 
you know, just to keep you engaged to make sure you don't just, you know, run away from the from the game. Uh, they kind of just test your skill every, you know, 10, 15 seconds with a skill check the same way that they have on generators, but it's much, much bigger, more akin to uh, when Pyramid Head locks you in a, in a, in a cage. Uh, you know, so it's kind of like, I think they finally heard us after, you know, I'm going to say two years that I've been playing the game. Uh, I'm sure others have been complaining for four, but it's great to see this implementing uh, a change just so that my controller buttons might not... Uh, might, might last a little bit longer throughout the lifespan of this controller. <laughs> yeah, or that if you're playing on PC, and I play the game at least once a year, and we're usually streaming it, it's usually for Extra Life, and I always play with a controller because if I play with my keyboard, which is a mechanical keyboard, I feel so, so self-conscious because like, when you when you get in that struggle moment, it's just all you hear is bang, 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 bang yeah. on your keyboard as you're, you know, you've got you've got your mic on my mic's off the desk but still it's connected to the desk it doesn't float you know so it gets picked up and i think it's the only mashing button in the game the rest are skill checks so i'm surprised they hadn't done it sooner because i would think being a streaming game you're gonna have people who are like jamming on their keyboard i had to mute i'd always and sometimes that would kill me (laughs) i'd have to mute my mic and uh, I eventually just turned it to push to talk because it was just so embarrassing. Ryan, mute your mic. And, and yeah, I, I believe it. I believe it. And I've, I've played with others as well where you hear that just, just clicking away and like, oh, okay, I guess I guess we know where you're at. <laughs> uh, you know, so it's great to see that change. And then um, I guess uh, one of the, the devs did reply to another um, tweet about uh, the struggle mechanic. You know, when you get picked up by a killer, you can wiggle out. Uh, but the wiggling situation again is, uh, I think on a keyboard, it's, it's two buttons you can alternate on a controller. Um, <laughs> a lot of people just wiggle that directional pad, uh, at 90 miles an hour, uh, to try to wiggle out. Right. And I guess one person mentioned that, you know, it'd be nice to save a controller from drift. And if that's a drifting issue, I mean, that's a lot of wiggle power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The wiggling, I, I find like when I would play, like you don't need to jam on it. You just need to alternate and maybe maybe that's what people need to hear i don't know like maybe it's, it's more about subtlety as opposed to just like how how fast can i punch these keys into the desk um yeah, i guess I'll, I'll do the psa for controller if you spin it in circles then it works just as well it's just got to find the nice speed of a circle just so you can you can keep your controller in check and like you said keep that keep the mic from picking up all the clicks yeah oh yeah yeah, well, that's uh, that's really exciting that they made those changes. And and yeah, what's the pace for their you know new killers? It's like every three months or, I um, four to four. I think when the, since the last one came out and there was some hiccups along the way, they decided to uh, to hold back on releasing stuff that is not ready <laughs> by the community standards or even by their own for that matter. So hopefully, um, you know, they take a little more time between uh, uh, killers and survivors and make sure they get all the bugs worked out before they before they put them out there. Sounds good. Well, looking forward to, uh, to looking forward to playing more Dead by Daylight in the near future. Uh, you also played, speaking of scary games, uh, you played Little Nightmares 1 and 2 and uh, this is a game we've talked about on the Gamers Inn before, but um, I'm curious your your take on on these games because I think they are visually very very interesting, and I think that's what drives what drove me to really check these games out and, and to really appreciate them. But they also have um, some fun platforming and puzzle mechanics when the controls aren't uh, you know working against you. So have what, you been talking to Joss? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I, I played both these games and I, and I really think like 
they're easy to recommend um, with the caveat that, yeah, you're going to run into these uh, these murder hallways, especially in two. There was one, I think it was the the prison or the or the mental hospital. I can't remember. It maybe I'm mixing the two, but there is this I think like I know mur- where you're going. Yeah, this murder hallway where you have to run down. And you have to do it in a very specific way where these hands, these disembodied hands, aren't grabbing you. And then there's this moment where you're where there's these mannequins that you have to point the flashlight at them to make them stop, and yep. it does not work. So I just ran, which was I, I had to look it up in a guide, and the guy was like, "No, nah, just run, and you okay. should be fine." <laughs> So I'm so glad you brought that up to, to jump in because when I was playing that, I, I had a friend watching and I, this, this was the last mannequin hallway I was going to do that night. And I'm like, when I beat this, I, I'm done for the night. And I don't know, after try number 15, I just got fed up and I bolted. I just ran and I made it through and it was just like shocked that that was the way I did it. <laughs> yeah, I had to look it up and it was one of those things where I didn't feel bad once I once I did it, but I I like those games. Uh, they there's not much story to them. It, for me, it's like it's the visuals, it's the creep factor, uh, but uh, also the I like those types of puzzles. I like those type of games. It kind of reminded me of um, you know like Limbo and Inside those sort of games. Right. So yeah, and uh, Night Little Nightmares resonated with me so much i so, so a little background for me is i have heard of little nightmares you know back in 2017 didn't pay it any any attention it's just not something i was into at the time and then flash forward to little nightmares 2 coming out people are talking about it. i'm like okay you know what I, I think i should should check this out and up to that point i have not seen an ounce of gameplay on one or two uh so i played one first and i was just like every. 30 seconds, I was like, what's happening? Where, where am I going? What, what does this do? And I think that idea, like you said, of just getting dropped in, you're like, here you go. Good luck. By the way, there's some things that want your attention. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and that was just, I, w- I loved every moment of it. I think, like, just going through the reactions, I'm just like, I, 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 I have no words for it. It's just amazing. And then, number two, uh, I, I stayed spoilers free on number two, and I'm not going to mention anything about it, but, uh, you know, the, the big, the big aha moment or, or what the heck moment in number two, I was still, uh, a spoiler free. And that was just one heck of a moment that made me love that game even more. Are you talking about near the end? I'm not going to say the moment, but you, you're talking near the end there. Yes. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Like I think one is a little more straightforward in terms of the journey of the character and kind of what's happening. Like you are you're essentially your character is essentially like escaping like a i don't know like this weird tim burton factory and yeah. <laughs> the second one's um a, appears to be that but it kind of it kind of changes direction a little bit and it's got the one thing i loved about too is that they were constantly introducing new mechanics for the puzzles and um continuing to bring a layer of that new mechanic into the next area Right. And, uh, yeah, it was really well done and I hope they do DLC for two because I, I didn't play any of the DLC for one, but it was essentially adding like new, new, new chapters. So they, they never really, they would add like these, these side stories, I think in one they added. Um, yeah. So I, I did do that. I did do the, the DLC for one. And like you said, it's, it is more, I, you know, air quotes here, more of the same, but with a different character and 
honestly, if if you have the time and and you like Little Nightmares one, it is definitely worth um, the payout in the end. I mean, there's definitely a a whole similar to two like a holy holy heck moment uh, <laughs> situation that I think the DLC w worked well together because the DLC is essentially uh, running parallel to the main story. But you don't pay it much attention until you play the DLC and you go, oh my gosh, this is what happened here and this is what's happening now. And it's it's very well put together. Okay. Yeah, I I did do a quick like search about the DLC for the first one because I had, I think I had the first one through like a Humble Bundle because it came out, I think it came out in like 2015. It's, it's an older game. And hmm. uh, I didn't have the complete edition um, so I didn't have access to the DLC, but I, I thought about picking up the season pass afterwards because I really liked it, but I think I made the mistake of stopping from like a steam community forum. And it's like, yeah, it's just a side story, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, okay, well maybe I'll go back to it. But I did enjoy one and two very much. And I, I think like more of that would be cool. So I might have to check out that DLC. If you say it's got like one of those aha moments that definitely, I mean, I, mean, I think we've all spent 10 bucks on less. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah for sure i i mean uh i bought a cable for 10 bucks and yeah so <laughs> right i mean i don't yeah. know how long the cable will last but maybe a little bit longer than the dlc for little nightmares bad example but yeah I've, uh, point, yeah. point made <laughs> I, I played a couple sonic games in my day that i spent a little more on so yeah you're right i should probably play that little nightmares dlc if i uh had the uh the money to rent what was that sonic game on the wii where you were a knight like they kept putting Sonic in like weird situations where he was a knight and then he was oh, a werewolf. No. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. So I, well, it stuck with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't worry. Those Sonic games, that was a, that was a bad era. Um, some say we never escaped it, but uh, yeah, that was my little nightmare back in the day. Uh, real, real quick, Ryan, speaking yeah. of Sonic, that movie was pretty good. I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a good test to see if Jocelyn's listening because she will mention right? it. Cause she did not like the Sonic movie. And I think, I think she blames you and I for that because I think we talked it up. Um, I think there's definitely a finger pointed in, in, in either direction here. Look, but we have small children who appreciate that Sonic movie. And I think as someone who enjoyed Sonic way back in the day um, and, and still do to a certain extent, I think Sonic's great. But uh, that movie should have been worse, but it wasn't. So that's... I don't know. Perfect. Perfect. Well said. Well said. <laughs> Jim Carrey's great. It's nice to get old old school Jim Carrey back, right? Exactly. Exactly. Looking forward to number two. Exactly. Me too. Well, there you go. That's the Sonic segment, um, which brings us into the news. But before we do that, if you want more great Sonic hits, you can go to patreon.com slash thegamersin to encourage us to talk about the Sonic movie more often. Uh, I don't know if that's selling you guys, but uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash thegamersin, support the show directly, get access to the TGI Patreon mini early, which gives you a little tease to what we're going to be talking about each week, and that goes up for patrons early. And uh, yeah, it just helps support the show and goes right back to the show and uh, hopefully uh, brings more Sonic content to the show. But uh, no more Sonic talk because we've got a couple of news stories to bounce through which includes the fact that backward compatibility reaches the clouds with Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. This is big news considering last episode we talked about Sony literally closing three of its digital stores for the PS3, PS Vita, and PSP. So 
are you excited about this? Like, is this something that you're, you're happy about? You're like, you're looking for, are you going to use this? Or are you just excited that Microsoft is treating their back catalog with, uh, I hesitate to say it, but I guess a little more respect. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So where to, where to start here? Okay. So I, I love this. I love the news. I think this is a great way, like you said, to preserve. I think that's the, the biggest word being thrown around is to preserve, you know, old games where we came from and, and they're just, brings up uh, one little story you know about the situation of backwards compatibility so uh way back when you know i was a huge fan of resident evil 1 when it came out and then you know you get the itch to play old games every now and again so we're talking 10 15 years after the original came out i wanted to play resident evil 1 but with no ps1 or, or working disc in sight i i turned to the uh to the pc and looking at an emulator and, and that was the only way. And the sound was janky. The controls were even more janky than the, the original playthrough. And and the graphics were, you know, kind of pieced together. I mean, you're watching a, what, a 60, 600 by 400 maybe? Uh, old tube TV-esque on a, on a widescreen monitor as well. So there was a lot of factors that, you know, yes, I got to play it, but it wasn't the same experience that you had when you were a kid. And turning to this, uh, you know, to be able to pick up some of these older games and and play them the way you remember or better, uh, that it's it, I don't think there's a downside to this. No, yeah, I agree. I, d I don't think there's a downside. And I mean, there could be a downside if you look at sort of uh, if Microsoft weren't offering multiple ways for you to play these games. Um, all of these games that are listed here with this cloud beta for backwards compatibility, these are this is built on the fact that you can play these physically on your Xbox Series X and your Xbox One in the sense that, yeah, like if you go buy a physical copy, you can put it in your system and play it. Like they're all sort of based on the DVD format. And if you go to the Xbox store, you can buy these games and you can play them on your system or you can stream them. In this case, it's also on the subscription. So these are all on Game Pass that you can play uh, through the cloud. And I think like when you look at what Sony's doing, and we talked about it last week, and I get where they're going. You know, there is a market for re-releasing, you know, key titles from each generation. And Nintendo does that as well. Like they they've dabbled with you know, virtual console, and they have a version of that on the Switch, but they've also done um, re-releases, uh, a lot of them on the Switch. So, but you, when you look at what, what Xbox is doing, they have an ability with Game Pass to say like, yeah, you want to play uh, Banjo-Kazooie uh, Banjo and Banjo-Tooie? You can do that. These are the Xbox versions uh, or the Xbox 360 versions that got re-released. Right. Or what if we remake Banjo-Kazooie as a new game? You can play that too. You can play it all. It's not necessarily like removing your option to play Banjo-Kazooie just because we had to remake it in order to resell it, right? It right. gives Microsoft so many options with their IPs and I don't think we've... I think we're seeing... And they're doing it right. They're putting the building blocks in, in place and then working towards like, okay, let's now put out a new Perfect Dark. Let's put out... Um, I don't know. That was that was the first one that came to mind because I'm looking at the screenshot. Oh, a new well, fable, yeah. right? Yeah, and and maybe one day Viva Pinata. Um, <laughs> yes. But yeah, like you said, it's just it, you know if you have uh, 
again, maybe kids is the one thing. Maybe going back to relive a situation or, you know, old couch co-op. Um, you know, you can do that. And like you said, when the remakes come out, or if they choose to do that, I think it just raises the bar of those remakes that, you know, we can't just re-release it because we have access to backwards compatibility. So if we're going to do something, we got to do it a little bit better or add a little more to it to make it something more like a RE2 type remake rather than just a, a re-release. Exactly. Yeah, like I, I don't think we're sitting here and being like, oh, Microsoft's so pro-consumer, you know, Sony has to re-release. Um the team ico games because you're not going to be able to buy them anymore like i i'm not saying like microsoft is going to remake these games if they see a profit there um, absolutely so like they don't think this is just this is closing the door on remakes just because they're making it available they're just all about choice and personally if i was given the choice between playing an old uh the old perfect arc and playing a new one why not both, <laughs> you know, uh, and probably more of the new one because going back to an N6 up res N64 game, not as fun as it yeah. sounds. <laughs> right. Yeah, but it definitely, like you said, I mean, as soon as something gets announced, like, uh, you know, you mentioned the fable when that gets, uh, I guess released again in, in the coming years, I think the, the, the consumer base or, or every gamer is just going to have a, a memory, um, surge and everybody's going to flood back to these old games. And this is a perfect venue to, to jump on at least, you know, get a, a refresher of, of the world you're going into or, or what you missed about it, or even just to, to see what you're not going back to, you know, like you said, with graphic wise. Yeah. Like I look at this list and I know I, you mentioned fable. I mentioned Banjo Kazooie. Like I could see myself testing this out by playing Banjo Kazooie on my phone. And that sounds really cool. That sounds like a, like an interesting way to try that game. And because it's in the cloud and if I get like, Oh, this is a lot of fun. I can then go play the same save on my xbox and have it passed back and forth and that is a really cool way to treat these games and honestly what we've been asking nintendo to do for a very long time and it's funny that microsoft is doing this and they don't even have like even a comparable staple of of a library as you know in comparison to nintendo like you could and nintendo has experimented with live service sort of access to virtual console but they just they kind of stopped short of the n64 which is like that's the real test right there like give us you know 10 or 12 n64 games as part of the subscription charge more for the subscription i mean we just want to play some n64 games on our switch is that so hard i don't know i I know and I, i don't know what the sticking point is there but i know there's a lot of people just are waiting for that next uh, golden eye situation to be able to play. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, we've got one more news story here before we jet, and that is the fact that E3 2021 will be a free online-only event, which has been confirmed by the ESA. There's been a lot of rumblings about what the ESA is going to do. This will be a different E3. Last year was you know, canceled completely, kind of replaced uh, Jeff Keighley, kind of fill the void with his summer of games and he's looking to do that again this year but uh the esa will have an e3 2021 event and uh yeah it's running from the 12th of june to the 15th and i mean i don't know what this will be like it'll be interesting to see how we handle like a large industry-wide event um virtually and i think if you look at all the industries the one that should be able to do it near seamlessly should be e3 right 
because they've kind of already been doing it. Well, that's that's what I feel. I mean, when everything went um, digital, you know, even if you just look at the cancellation of E3 um, last year, everybody still kind of, you know, did the online situation where you got their name out there, their games out there, and, and Jeff Keighley, you know, with the Summer of Gaming. And I, I just, I think it's just more of the same. And I think that the bigger thing here that I'm looking at is the fact that um, everybody seems to be signed up for, for this event, uh, still calling it E3 and, and doing it all electronically, with the exception of Sony, I do believe, hasn't confirmed yet. Um, but, I mean, they, they could have all done their own, uh, I guess, like a Nintendo Direct or, or something of that nature. But they're choosing to come together once again for E3, which I think is great for the industry. Yeah, I think it's important for for people to come together. I think the struggle with the Summer of Games was... Um, it it had a hard line to walk like because it wasn't an industry event it was sort of just a glorified google calendar let's be honest and and they kind of spread it out over the summer it was too different from what people expect from e3 which is um like three days of announcements 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 all at the same time pretty much what a trade show is it's just all the companies coming together in industry to talk about their products and to, to share what they're working on and that's what E3 kind of promises. But the Summer of Games was like, no, everybody gets their day. Unless you're Nintendo in which you can drop a trailer for Paper Mario and, and ruin everybody's day. Um, that's it. You know, and uh, but it is interesting. You know, you've got Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Konami, Ubisoft, Take-Two, Warner Brothers. They are uh, they are all backing it. I mean, noticeable absences are Sony, as you mentioned. They had a very public, you know, exit from E3, I think maybe a couple years ago. I can't remember if it was Two, last I year. Believe. Yeah. Yeah. They were very public about leaving sort of that space. Um, but obviously the ESA would happily welcome them back because uh, Sony is a big player, but Square Enix isn't going to be there as well, or at least hasn't signed up at the time of uh, this press uh, briefing. But um they just had their uh square enix presents video and i thought they did a pretty good job like it was it was set up in a way that was uh that felt felt like a good presentation so i can see them you know thinking they can sort of skip the queue and just have their own day so but uh, a lot of major players here for sure yeah definitely something to look forward to yeah well, uh, I, for, I, for one, am looking forward to big video game announcements. You know, you if you subscribe to other podcasts, especially industry ones, like there's a lot of talk of like, is this going to be a year of game announcements or is this going to be a year of please look forward to 2022? I don't know, but I hope we get some, some new games uh, and some new games coming soon because uh, I like new games and I think a lot of people do really, so... Um, look forward to E3 returning this June at a Twitch channel near you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you get to choose which outlet, right? Exactly. Yeah, and that's always been my E3. I, I had a, I, I have a friend um, who went to an E3. He like created like a fake business, and he wrote a couple articles on his website, and he had a business card, and he, and he got press passes to E3. This was probably 15 years ago. So he went oh. there and. Yeah, it was pretty much like back in those days, it was a big, huge event. And I think it's changed since then. But uh, and and again, now with, you know, COVID and whatnot. But yeah, like it's uh, 
it is it is interesting those stories is like it's it is just what it is it's like a bunch of a bunch of video games and a bunch of lines and loud noises and just <laughs> sensory overload so i don't know yeah, it, it's one of those things i mean depending on who you talk to it's either the, the greatest uh three days of your life or it's just you can't remember it all and and you just remember the negative but either way it's memorable yeah exactly well um i look forward to e3 when it uh, pops back up this summer and uh, that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Uh, if you want to chat with other TGI listeners, please check out our Discord, bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also email the show, info at gamersinpodcast.com, if you have some thoughts on Outriders or Little Nightmares or or even Dead by Daylight and, uh, you know, waving goodbye to the mashing of the keyboard. But uh, Dustin, before we jet, can you let uh, folks know where they can find you online? Because you've been streaming. We actually streamed Outriders last night. Correct. Yeah. So I am. Uh, I am on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. All at Triple Phase Three. All one word. And three is the number. So Triple Phase Three. Awesome. That's super easy to remember. And uh, where's Triple Phase Three come from? Is that is that just triple and three and you threw phase in there? Is there a, is there a story behind it? <laughs> I don't, I don't know if Jocelyn, I mean, no, I'm kidding. Um, but uh, yeah, Triple Fades, to me, it's uh, gaming's always been a part of my life, and, and I've added, uh, you know, kids of mine, and I have a beautiful wife, so uh, the three phases of my life all coming together to, to make me who I am right now. That's awesome. No, that's great. Why would, you know, Jocelyn wouldn't stand in the way of you sharing that story. It was very good. <laughs> it was very good. No, that's really cool. It's always good when people have, like a, like, a story behind their name, so that's really fun. So definitely check out Triple Phase 3 on Twitch and Twitter. And uh, and thank you, folks, for listening to the show. You can find more of our episodes at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find Jocelyn at Joss Plays, me at R. Murphy, Dustin at Triple Phase 3, and don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers Inn. Thanks for staying at The Gamers Inn. Tune in next week and have yourselves a fantastic week. I promised I would reword this, and <laughs> I didn't. I'm going to fix it next week, and then Jocelyn will be back, and then she'll be like, why'd you change the outro? <laughs> That's it. And then there's a whole thing, whole conversation there. But thanks again for having me. 